Hello, this is Tida speaking. Welcome back to episode 3. In this episode, I will talk about social issue and policy analysis. So as you had known, in the previous two episodes, I have been talking about caring for Cambodia, their missions and goals, what they have been doing, the programs and interventions that they have, the client populations that they work with, and the organization, um, the organizational structure of the agency. And as I had mentioned again and again, Caring for Cambodia is an educational NGO that works to bring forth educational equity for Cambodian children. So in this episode, I will discuss why do Cambodian children desperately need educational NGOs like Caring for Cambodia in the first place. Caring for Cambodia, like many other educational NGOs in Cambodia, play a role to help alleviate issues in the education system that have persisted for centuries in Cambodia, especially since the notable era of the Khmer Rouge regime. If you have not heard of the Khmer Rouge regime or the Khmer Rouge genocide in Cambodia in the 1970s, I will explain later in the episode since uh, I will be starting, um, start, I will start talking about the historical aspect um, of education from centuries back. So since the 7th century, which is a long time ago, I know, um, the practice of um, a temple education happens because traditionally the Cambodian or Khmer people regard religious leaders as their intellectual in their intellectual sorry and their gurus. So naturally, um, temples were the place for people to go to if they want to seek education. However, due to the nature um, of of relig- the religion, which is which was Hinduism, Buddhism had been back and forth, and now it's Buddhism. But anyways, um, the both religions still regards men as their um, intellectual guru- gurus, as the monks. Those teachers have always been men. As a result, there is this taboo of not allowing women to um, go and get educated. And while men were allowed to get an education, mostly only the wealthy, the elite men had access to that education. Moreover, the Cambodian traditional values dictate that men um, are more sociable, courageous, responsible, and hardworking, while women are expected to be caring, reserved, um, having good house housework management skills. So therefore, parents, the elderly individuals in society, the Buddhist teachers, they were all responsible for educating boys. And this practice had become super widespread in the 12th century in Cambodia. Now let's jump to um, the mid 19th to mid 20th century. That was the the 90 years that um, the French colonial rule was present in Cambodia. During this time, the 
French attempt to romanize the traditional language scripts of the um, colonies that it's been controlling, including countries like Vietnam and Laos. But um, due to the the in, the traditional Cambodian intellectual, especially Buddhist monk who had been teaching in temples, they were really hard-headed, so they resisted the attempt, which in a way preserved the Cambodian tradition. But if you look in another perspective, it lead to low investment in modernizing the Cambodian education system compared to uh, its neighboring countries like Laos and Vietnam. Despite this setback, Cambodia was still able to make progress um, in the education field and in the 1960s, it was said that um, Cambodia actually has one of the highest literacy rates and most progressive education system in Southeast Asia. Things went downhill when Cambodia got dragged into the Vietnam War in the 1970s, which led to political turmoil and national instability. And this um, caused a decrease in funding for education, and many schools had to shut down. The education system hit rock bottom during the Democratic Cambodia, or also known as um, the Khmer Rouge between 1975 and 1979. During the, this period, schooling was abolished, and even worse, almost three-quarters of Cambodia's educated population, including teachers, students, professionals, and intellectuals, were killed, and those that weren't killed escaped the country and never came back. Books, historical records, and many documents were burned and destroyed during this four-year period. By the time the Khmer Rouge regime ended in 1979, approximately a third of the country's population were killed, um, taking away much of its population, both educated and uneducated. Even after the Khmer Rouge regime ended, um, the country was still severely destabilized, and there was civil war and civil unrest until 1998. Within um, this 19 years of civil unrest between um, 79 and 98, um, the country was being rebuilt with the support of um, the communist Vietnam and other socialist bloc nations who attempt to rule Cambodia after the regime. During this time, educational institutions were reinstalled with the support of UNICEF and the International Red Cross. Approximately 6,000 education institutions were rebuilt and thousands of teachers were trained within this period of time. Despite all of this effort, the schooling rehabilitation process was hindered by the continu continuous social insecurity, especially in re remote and rural areas. And in the 1980s, the Asian Development Bank described the educational situation in Cambodia as poor school condition, large numbers of unqualified teachers, and absence of a national curriculum framework, inadequate book supply system, and a high student dropout rates in primary schools. In 1990, Cambodian leaders joined the Jomtin World Conference on Education for All to make numerous efforts to provide accessibility for nine years of education 
which is um, defined as the basic education to all Cambodian citizens. Despite this, there were close to no strategic approaches to reach the goals um, as a result of like the lack of funding, um, disturbed social insecurity, especially in rural and remote areas. Moreover, there were an insufficient number of schools. There's financial burdens on the household, so parents want their kids to um, go work, seek employment, and um, bring income into the family instead of letting them go to school. So there is insufficient learning and teaching facilities, which further lead to low enrollment and high dropout rates within the basic education level. Despite the efforts of the Royal Government of Cambodia, international partner and non-governmental organizations that strive to revive the education system, the Cambodian education system still struggle greatly. One prominent um, struggle in the education system is teacher scarcity, leading Cambodia to have the largest student-teacher ratio in, in East Asian countries at a 51 to 1 ratio at the primary school level and a 32 to 1 ratio at the lower secondary school level. Also, due to the shortages of teacher, double shift teaching practice is um, commonly implemented at many schools. However, it is quite unpopular among teachers since um, despite working two shifts, they are poorly paid. So um, most of the teachers would rather take that um, take one shift and take their free time to do part-time jobs that will pay them better than teaching. In addition to the financial strain that um, teachers have to face, students also have to face um, the financial strain. Because although education is officially free, um, oftentimes there are unofficial fees on registration, enrollments, classroom materials, and examinations that are required of, from the students. Because um, there are things like papers that's, that are used for examinations that the school can afford without their student paying those fees. As a result, despite all of, of um, these efforts from the government, from international parties to help better and improve the education system in Cambodia, the system is still struggling, students still lack a lot of access just to get educated, therefore, it is really essential that organizations like Caring for Cambodia contribute and help the education system in Cambodia move forward. And this concludes episode 3 to my podcast. See you in my final episode, episode 4.